Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, and I'm joined today with my co-host, John McGee. Hey, Adam. And we also have as our special guest for our very first podcast, Todd Wagner. Todd. Hey, hey, Church Leader Podcast, episode one. All right. We are excited to get into this conversation, but before we get started, John McGee, got a question for you. There are a million podcasts out there. Why on earth do we need another one? That's a great question, Adam. Well, here, here's what I know. I know that we want to help. And I also know that we have been incredibly helped by conversations with practitioners. So all along the way, uh, whether we were stuck or we wanted to know where we were going uh, or we just wanted to talk to someone else who was doing what we were doing, uh, we picked up the phone, we had meals, we had cups of coffee, and always uh, we walked away with some real gold, some real um, just action items that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And so that's our hope is that, you know, whether you are on staff or you are uh, just someone in the church who feels the weight of leadership, uh, we want to help and just have conversations that others can listen into and, and hopefully uh, learn from. So, Todd, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, listen, one of the things I have found to be true of leaders and gifted people in general, and I'm not saying we put ourselves in that class, but but if there is something we have to share with others, we want to share it. And because of distance and space and sometimes just because of limitation of time, you don't always get to do that. So our hope is this podcast will be more cups of coffee and more lunches with people, more drive time with others that uh, they can hear some of the conversations that, you know, we often go, man, John, I wish somebody could have heard you say that. Or I wish uh, some of the young men that we're trying to develop would have been in this conversation. So this is the chance for you to join us as we're having conversations we hope will build into your life and encourage you in the way we want to be encouraged by others and just dialogue over emails and other ways that they'll shoot in questions and comments with us. Amen. All right. Well, let's jump right in. So, Todd, one of the things that we see you model well, one of the things we hear you talk about a lot is the inner circle that you have, the men that you have allowed into your life, and that is one thing that um, that has just been a huge influence on all of us who have been around you. So there's this cultural phrase out there that says, it's lonely at the top. So what would you say to that? Well, it's as lonely as you want to make it. You know, I think sometimes we use that phrase uh, to maybe encourage people like, hey, when you're the number one dog in uh, any fight, then, you know, there's no one up there. Uh with you and it's going to be lonely. But listen, I don't think it's as lonely as men need it to be. I think too many times guys use that phrase because it gives them permission to isolate from others. And I'll say this, there has never been a better human than Christ. And uh, he was not lonely. There was one time he was lonely. It was when he was on the cross and he was dejected because he had been left by his disciples and the father in that moment of uh, his intense suffering for us, you know, experienced that separation. But even Jesus, as he walked in perfect intimacy with the Father, he still pursued deep intimacy with other men because being found in appearance as a man, being the likeness of a man, he needed what the Father said you're going to need. So I will tell leaders, look, I know you love God. I know Jesus is your all in all. And I know that you believe Philippians 4.19 <laughs> that your God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But the way God meets your needs is not just through the word and not just through the spirit, but through his people. If you read the Bible, there are three major arteries that flow, that grace flows through. It is God's word and you better be in it. Regular Bible intake and meditation is what Psalm 1 says is going to be a source of blessing to you. Uh, constant abiding with the spirit and intimacy with him. You know, you're never to quench or grieve the spirit. We all seek to do that. But that's not enough for a really godly person. Really godly people are called to live in intimate relationships with others. So if you're lonely, what you're really saying is, I am not seeking what the Father wants me to seek. So it shouldn't be lonely at the top if you're following Jesus the way that he calls you to. Yeah, and so that's great. And we'll hear a lot of leaders that will agree with that in theory. 
And then if you get down and you try to talk about some details with them, what they'll say is, well, I, I've got nobody that I can trust. I, I got to be really careful who I let into my inner circle. And so talk about that. Well, I think we do need to be careful who we let in the inner circle because we can't be close to everybody. But by careful, that doesn't mean you can't find somebody you can trust. Uh, listen, we'll talk a little bit a little bit about who the guys are in my life that do that, and, and there are other elders. I, if you can't be intimate with the guys that you're leading the church with, if you can't trust your heart to a group of men, why would you encourage the church to give their heart to follow men uh, that you yourself aren't willing to trust? So uh, you, you, you should be a little bit careful in your inner circle because not everybody has time to listen to you process life and the challenges that you face. But... Um, you as a leader have got to find men that a, aren't impressed that you're a leader and that are absolutely convinced that if you're going to be the leader God wants you to be, uh, they have a significant role to play in your life. If you don't think men can play a significant role in your life, you're not going to be an effective leader for long. That's good. And I think as a senior leader, you have to facilitate that. You've got to frame that up. Um, guys, I need this. I'm inviting you in. Um, I, I need this sharpening that you're talking about, Todd. So uh, again, Adam and I have the privilege of knowing what that looks like because we peer into your life. But could you help um, those listening understand what that looks like um, day to day, week to week, some of the ups, some of the downs, some of the uh, encouragement, the admonition, uh, the laughter uh, that occurs. And you guys do laugh a lot. Um, we, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we laugh a lot and we hurt each other a lot and we heal a lot together. Um, let me just say one more thing about, about Jesus as our example, right? Because they may not want to listen to us, but, but when we point them to the, the greatest leader that ever lived, we're going we're gonna to serve him well. You know, Mark 3.14 is just talks about Christ, who is the paragon of a leader, right? So we're all trying to be like, who God wants us to be like. It says when he appointed the 12, okay, in, in Mark 3.14, he did it so they would be with him. Uh, we know also that, that Jesus uh, at the moment that he was wrestling with um, his greatest act of obedience, the very first thing he did is not go to the Father in prayer. He went to his men in asking for intercession and help. You know, he said, I'm deeply grieved. My soul is troubled even to the point of death. For a leader to not be able to tell somebody, that means that that leader isn't willing to live the way Christ himself lived. So I don't think the Father is going to be discouraged that you need some help and some encouragement. So the question is, um, do you have guys that you can do that with on a daily basis? Because frankly, sometimes what grieves us is not what grieved Jesus. It's not what the Father has called us to. It's our constant desire to not do what the Father wants us to do. That's really what Jesus was doing. But for us, right, Christ was saying, should I go to the cross? We're saying, hey, man, should I hide over here in the dark? <laughs> I don't want to deal with this sin that required Jesus to go to the cross. And I think most of us, if we're honest, that deeply grieves us and troubles us to the point of death. So why not appropriate what, uh, what Jesus appropriated to go to the cross for that darkness and use what he used, which is uh, a desperate need of others, spur him on to do the Father's will, not their own, okay? So the guys I do that with um, are now elders, but I, I want guys to know, we, we, we'll do, I'm sure, an entire podcast on, on elders, but elders are not guys that can fund your church. Uh, that's not the way to pick a group of elders. See also the future podcast. They're also not guys that you have the most fun with uh, before you appoint them as elders, okay? In other words, I don't choose elders based on the fact they can fund my life or that they're my best friends. But if they are godly men, if they're the first Timothy 3, the Titus 1 kind of men, then why wouldn't I want those guys to be uh, knit in heart to me? And so, you know, the guys that are now my closest friends in life who lead with me this community, uh, of faith are guys that 
uh, I didn't know that well. Okay, of the first number of men that we appointed as elders, there was one that I had a relationship with at all. And I would say it was a close one at the time. But what we did is we got in a room, we go, hey, who are the men that we see have distinguished themselves in their love, faith, in their purity, in their speech, in their conduct, and uh, whose lives have been set apart and distinguished, who have been humbly serving, and who meet all the characteristics of, uh, as we mentioned already, but also are guys that have margin to really lead, not be a board elders we'll go to again. I don't want to get into that other podcast. But who are the men that are available to lead others because they're leading themselves well? Once those guys were selected and vetted over many, many months, then I go, okay, guys, hey, we got to model and do uh, together what we're going to ask others to do. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 4.9, right? The things that you've learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. So we always say to ourselves as a group of friends, hey, if everybody pursued each other and walked in the light the way we're pursuing each other and walking in the light, how would everybody be doing? Yes. Yeah, and I, I, I want to come back and te tease out some more what it looks like tangibly, uh, Todd, but uh, that right there I think is one of the, the biggest payoffs. It's not only you as a leader, the way you've been sharpened and encouraged, but it's just what it's done for our body. So as you call our entire body to dwell in community, be fully known, confess your sins one to another, live in the light, all those kind of things, um, oftentimes what will happen is they'll have sound bites from your sermons or interactions with you, and they'll say, Todd says or Todd does or the elders have had this conversation in their group and so they know, they know what that's like, and it's very congruent. And so oftentimes senior leaders tell people, you need to get in a small group, you need to be fully known, but they're not doing it themselves. And, uh, and you've got credibility, and I would just say it cascades down in our body, and uh, it, it's part of what makes this place so amazing. And I think part of what uh, some churches struggle with because their senior leaders uh, aren't doing that. So do you want to, can you talk about maybe, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I do. I, I want to say this. One of the things I was committed to very early on is I, I would tell our body regularly, say, listen, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I can't be a Christian. Okay, And so Christians need other Christians, okay? And, and leaders are followers of Jesus, and followers of Jesus need the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God in their life. Proverbs 18.1, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Okay, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It doesn't say once you're a leader, you don't still need sharpening. In fact, the, the more you're a leader, the more you're aware of how much sharpening you need because you know what's at stake. Okay, my Bible says that my heart, because it's a human heart, is desperately sick and deceitful above all else. And so I know that um, I'm not going to be the kind of leader that I need to be and want to be for the glory of God and the good of others unless I let people help me see the deception that's in my heart. And so I am always pursuing time with these men and uh, working through uh, just the fractures that normally happen in human relationship. When my flesh wants to withdraw, I need men to pursue me. When uh, my flesh is sharp or indifferent or inauthentic, I want guys close enough to me that they know that, that they can you know, start to see, hey, man, there's a deterioration, Todd, right now in, in something that's going on in your life. And um, so they, they need to be near me and around me so that they can love me. They can admonish me when I'm unruly, encourage me when I'm faint-hearted, okay, help me when I'm weak. That's First Thess 5.14. And to do it with great love and patience. And, and these men are the men that do that. My wife obviously does it. I have friends, lifelong friends that do it uh, that are also part here. But the guys that I do that with on a regular basis. And, and so, you know, John, 
it's a, a ton of investment of time. We spend more time, and then I'll, I'll, I'll you know let you follow up with a question. But we spend more time shepherding each other than we do the body. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, yeah, and I, don't, I my my hunch is that just doesn't translate uh, if you're driving in your car. But you know, Adam and I can tell you, yeah, that's that's the case. And so when your senior leader comes back, and Todd, you'll humbly say, "Boy, the elders really leaned into me on this deal," and they uh, they. They kind of sharpened me. They said I could do better. But that just sets an unbelievable example uh, for your staff and for your body that I think a lot of senior leaders, they they hit a certain level and then they just get yes men and fans around them who won't tell them the truth. And then kind of that becomes the beginning beginning of the end. And, uh, and so you've just modeled that so well. And I, I hope some senior leaders are sitting there thinking, am I doing that well? Um, how could I take a, a, next, uh, a next step? So yeah, and, and what it sounds like to me, Todd, is there's a difference between you, you use the word pursuing each other relationally, which is very, very different than being committed to a time slot. Yes. Because I think we see yeah. that a bunch with relationships is that people are like, oh, I, I meet these guys every Monday morning at 630 for breakfast and we talk for an hour. That's yeah. a time slot. I got people in my life. I don't think that's what you're saying. No, it's not. Because really what you're t- talking about when you do that is we're just catching up. Right. Even if you do the highs and lows of the week, tell me what's going on with your kids. Tell me this. And even if you go, what have you been learning? God's word. I mean, hey, let's talk about what God's doing in your heart. Where, where's your heart that is prone to wonder, prone to leave the gods you love? Um, where are you vulnerable? What is the Achilles, you know, <laughs> tendon in your life or the, you know, what is the weakness in your life? If, 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 if the enemy was going to take you out, do these guys know where it is so they can fortify you and so they can encourage you? I, you know, um, this idea that it's lonely at the top, let me just go back to that just for a second. You know, I, I was on a panel at a, at a conference with uh, a lot of folks that were there with a, a Christian leader who probably everybody who's listened to the podcast, they would know their name. And we were on this panel and, and this topic actually came up. And this guy said something that when he got done, there was a sense of, oh, man. And you know how Christians love pithy statements. Um, you know, he said this, and I waited just a second. I just go, hey, and I'll tell you what I said in just a moment. But, but what his statement was this: Hey, you got to tell a few things to everyone. You got to say some things to someone, but you tell everything to no one. And I mean, you could hear the scribbles going on in the room, and a sense of wow, man. Both because this is a, a guy whose name was well known, he was respected, and and also because it just rolled off the tongue. And I just waited a second, and I just go, hey, if I can, guys. I mean, I. I Hate to be the fly in the ointment here, but while that's a real pithy statement, everybody, it, it was kind of sounded nice. It's just completely unbiblical. You can't show me anywhere in the Bible where it says you tell everything to no one. Now, sadly, um, that friend is no longer in ministry because there was a lot of things that he was telling to no one. And uh, I will tell you that that's probably going to be you. You're next. I, I tell folks all the time: if you're a wildebeest and you're hanging out alone in the midst of lions, you're not a stud. You're next. Okay. And so, you know, there is. Uh, a roaring lion <laughs> out there. We have an enemy. He's seeking whom he may devour. And we are a pack animal. We are sheep. We run in a herd. Jesus is our shepherd, but we are to shepherd one another. And we are to have ourselves shepherd. If you're a leader and you think somehow it means you're no longer a sheep, then you are in trouble. And, um, and so we don't just get together and catch up for an hour a week. We are investing hours together and we're frankly always admonishing each other. We need to do this more. You know, we've been together now, these guys, for 16 some odd years, okay? And, and maybe your church model is not that you have elders for, um, you know, perpetuity, but you better find guys that are perpetually committed to you and, um, and that you trust. But I'll go back. If you got any elder in your church that you can't trust your heart to, what are you doing trusting the church to them? 
Yeah. So I want to make sure you said something a few moments ago that I want to make sure everybody hears. You said, and tell me if I've got this right, you said you spend more time shepherding one another than you spend shepherding the church. Is that is that true? Yeah. And, and in fact, lately, I'll be honest, I mean, here, you want to hear about the last month of our conversation? Yeah. Yes. We've been rebuking each other because we're not spending more time shepherding each other than we have been shepherding the church. And we realize that's a vulnerability. And we got to get back to uh, some of the things that we did really well for a long time. And so in the last month, uh, more than once, we have spent hours talking about why that is, what's hard about that today. And it's not that we thought that we weren't sharing secrets with each other. We just got a little lazy, just like a marriage, man. I'm, today is my 26th wedding anniversary, Come boys. on. Hey. Come on. Okay. Here we go. Congrats. And so I'm taking my wife on a date tonight and getting away for 24 hours. But I want to say this. You know, in any good relationship, there are times you start to take each other for granted and you don't work on the relationship. And I've been married to these guys now for some time. And we just go, hey, we got we to gotta work on our relationship, right? I don't, I don't dislike you, but I'm not sure... Right now, um, I, I am doing everything that I should do if we're the one, you know, being that for each other that God's given. And so uh, the goal with elders, okay, is not that you guys wouldn't divorce and God would split up the board. The goal is that I think your hearts would be knit together. That's Philippians 2. The church ought to be like that, but especially those you're close to. There's a oneness there. And that means there's an authenticity. So I said this earlier, and so I want to just come back to it for a second. You know, I, I, I told our body, just because I'm a uh, a pastor doesn't mean I can't be a Christian, and Christians need people. So I never don't need other guys. If you find guys that want to be in your inner circle because you're a leader and they're fans of yours, then you're not going to be a leader for long, okay? And I, I, you've got to find guys that love you because you want more of Jesus. And you've got to realize if you want more of Jesus, it's not going to be just you and the Bible. The Bible's scriptures are very clear. If you don't meditate on the Word of God on a regular basis, you won't live the blessed life, Psalm 1. It's very clear that you should never quench or grieve the Spirit, right? In First Thess, it says that. In Ephesians 5, pray continually in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, um, all, all, all those things. But, but it also says you're going to need men. And so I, I, I tell those guys, listen, if it's going to freak you out that your pastor needs other men in their life so that my desperately sick heart doesn't run other directions, then you better not be elders, Okay, or I won't be your pastor for long. That's good. You know, and so just a couple things. We're, Todd, you're talking about your context of elders and that as a senior pastor, that is your context. And so Adam and I, you know, we have our own yeah. uh, group of men who, as you said, are not impressed but with us. Uh, they love us, they respect us, but see it as their job to shepherd us. And so that's uh, all throughout the body, um, you know, which again is modeled at the top. So it's easy, it's really easy to implement. Um, Here's, a, I think, a really helpful soundbite um, to help people understand what this looks like for you personally. Um, let, let me give you the phrase that you have uh, told me multiple times, and you can unpack it. So Alex knows who to tell. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a, um, a, a different podcast, and somebody was asking me about leadership, and they go, hey, what, what's the best thing you do to lead your wife? And my response was, well, I, I give her permission to tell on me. Um, in other words, don't surprise me. Don't, don't make me the topic of some conversation just for fun. Uh, because there's some foible in my life. But if there's a foible in my life, you better make me the topic of conversation because you love me with other people. And I go, these are the guys to go to. I'll, I'll never believe that you um, are betraying me when you say, hey, this is an area I've been to, Todd. It's, it, you know, what Matthew 18, church discipline, everybody makes such a big deal out of. Church discipline, care and correction is what we do for one another. 99% of the church discipline in my life comes from my wife, okay? Or my kids and my friends when they go, that didn't look a lot like, God in you that looked like Todd in you, and it wasn't pretty. 
And most of the time, I go, help me understand that, or you're right, please forgive me. And then sometimes I go, I think you're the problem. And if you just had spiritual eyes, you'd know that that was awesome, right? And if I continue down that road, and because God's given me verbal skills, I, uh, I A squared plus B squared equals C squared them to death, they're like, okay, we got to bring other mathematicians into this conversation, and they know where to go, okay? And I told her, that's going to help me, because sometimes uh, I'm going to convince myself that things add up when they shouldn't add up. And uh, I, I need you to help me. And the same thing is with my, my, my guys in community. Amen. You help me get downwind of myself. There's an old saying, right? A fox doesn't smell his own hole. And, um, and sometimes, you know, uh, kings don't either. And so I, I will just tell you, the more the world becomes your fan, the more you're going to need true friends. And, and, um, and so that, that's, I'm, I'm blessed to have them. Well, I don't want to belabor the point too much, Todd, but um, so you and Alex, you have a fantastic marriage. Your wife loves you. She respects you. I mean, she, uh, when she looks at you, you can tell uh, about the nature of the relationship. Um, so it's, it's solid. But can you, ha has she ever had to kind of make that make that phone call? Just I want, I want people to yes. understand what that yeah, looks like. Yeah, more than once. I mean, let me just tell you something. Sometimes when my wife looks at me, uh, I know how she's doing. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, bro, who are you? Right? And... Um, and so I think that uh, she has. I can give you numerous examples, both early in our marriage and recently, where I knew part of the conversation was going to be that my wife was going to, either in my presence or I had shot an email out, hey, when we get together, we want to talk about this. I've told Todd this, and it's time to invite you guys in. He's not hearing me right now, and um, this is his world, and I'm living in it, and that's not the way a leader should lead. Okay, so somebody is driving in the car, and they go, boy, that's just disrespectful that she would, <laughs> that she would do that. How dare she? Well, I, I would just say I, I, that person has not paid close attention to the Scripture at all. I mean, my, if, if you love somebody, you, you, you admonish them when they're unruly. My wife believes me when I say I want to be God's man. She believes me when I, I say that I want to love her as Christ loves the church. And so when I'm not doing that, and she goes, hey, I don't, I don't think you're doing this the way that you, a man of this kind of spiritual maturity now, should be doing it. And I go, hey, just it's better than everybody else. She says, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody else is not the standard. Jesus says, she didn't expect me to be perfect. But it's disrespectful when she goes, you know what? Todd doesn't really mean what he says. We're just going to let him be a guy that doesn't pursue me the way Jesus says he shows. That's disrespectful. That means she's just written me off. I, used to, I, I tell my kids constantly, hey, um, you know, just because a lot of us, oh, we all have sports backgrounds. And, and I always knew when a coach quit coaching me, it wasn't because I had arrived and that they just need to show my game film and everybody would be everything they were supposed to be as an athlete. It's because he was done with me because I wasn't listening or talent had passed me by. The beautiful thing about the Christian faith is um, God's never done with us. And, and quote-unquote, our talent never passes by. Bodies deteriorate, persons develop. So if somebody stops developing me, they've written me off. And man, may my wife and my friends and you guys and never stop being interested in my development. That's great. So, Todd, in your experience in ministry, a lot of this is just pattern recognition. As you talk to leaders over the years, what are, what are some warning signs that you see that somebody doesn't have a good inner circle right now? Wow. Uh, well, let me say this. Some of the excuses I hear, uh, or I'm too busy. And so when you say that, what you're saying is I'm too busy to care for my soul. When you're too busy to care for your soul, go read Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, where it talks about how you can have a, a vineyard that's fruitful with a stone wall built around it, but all of a sudden that stone wall is broken down. Uh, it's overgrown with thistles and thorns. And then it says your poverty will come on you like an armed man. 
okay? And what that means is there's going to be a time where there's no negotiation. So you can start to see little flashes that no one corrects him on. I mean, I, I've noticed this about myself lately. I mean, you guys were in a meeting with me yesterday, and I, I just go, gosh, I, I, you know, there's more tenderness coming at me in this conversation than is coming out of me. What's going on in me? Why, why have I found myself twice, three times a day in conversations where I feel like I was the one that was the first to elevate? And my tone wasn't uh, what, what I would want my tone to be, okay? And no matter what I think my heart is, I'm, I'm going, is anybody else seeing this? Because I think I am. And so, you know, I, I just, I need guys who just love me enough to go, hey, I, I love you, man. Is, is everything okay? I, I think sometimes the way people relate to others, I think the fact that when you see a guy in a room and everybody kind of knows what just happened and nobody's willing to say something, you, you guys have been in rooms before, right? Um, you've loved me enough to be those men and you have seen, well, I'll let you guys tell stories, what you've seen happen where one of those things went down and, and what happened? What would what, some of the guys around me do? I, I remember some of our staff meetings. Uh, I can think of two times in particular, one of the other guys here on staff, John Cox, who loves you well, one of your trusted friends. There was an interaction between you and a staff member that maybe was what you were just describing where you had, you were the first to elevate. And as soon as that little transaction went down, he raised his hand and said, Todd, I, I think we could have done that better right there. And and you powered down right away, modeled forgiveness right away. Seeking a forgiveness, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. excuse me. And uh, and it was it was great. So as you, all these young leaders were sitting there, this <laughs> eyes, is gold. Their, their eyes yeah. were as big as silver dollars. I, mean, I, I think a lot of us down. growing up, we've watched mom and dad fight. We don't see mom and dad reconcile a lot. And so to even watch that and see the senior leader uh, of our little organization here power down that quickly, seek forgiveness that great, you know, that, that immediately was, uh, was really, was really amazing. Well, and create an environment where that was even okay, right? That, um, you know, you didn't uh, cut him off of the network or, or uh, change the locks on his doors. Um, 30 minutes later, you actually affirmed John publicly. You said, John, thank you so much. Made him a hero. You are a faithful friend. Exactly. And uh, rather than, and you didn't, um, yeah, boy, you didn't, you didn't try to spin. You didn't try to put anybody in their place. And it was a, just a beautiful unscripted moment that gave everybody in the room a model of what that looked like. So, and so here's, you know, even tangibly for me, how watching you do that impacted me. I've seen that over the past seven years. And I can think of two instances in my inner circle where I've been the one, the first to elevate and my faithful friend, Rob Berry, another guy on staff would say, Hey, Adam, hold on did exactly what John Cox did for you. And I knew exactly what I needed to do in that moment. I needed to power down, say thank you, seek forgiveness, and and change the tone, you know? And so I'd like to think that maybe the Spirit of God was in me, and I would have done that had I not seen it modeled, but it it, it came real quick that I knew exactly what I needed to do when I faced that moment. And uh, and so that that was really helpful. Yeah, just such a health. Yeah, just a healthy again cascading effect. And and I, Todd, I've just said that behind your back, you know, a hundred times. So to your face, um, if I had your gifts, I don't know that I would subject myself to uh, the admonition of others because I think I could find a church where I could set myself uh, over and apart and above everyone else and just not have to deal with that because it's hard uh, to hear. But you. Uh, well, you've just got this incredible keen sense of, um, you know, obviously your own giftedness, but your depravity and how much you need other men. And, uh, and it's, it's been one of the things that um, I've, just, I've just marveled at and I've asked myself, would I do that if I was that gifted? And so, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, Adam and I would just say thanks for modeling that for us. Yeah. Guy, guys have asked me this question, John. I think and this, um, anything good in me is because God is accomplishing and doing it. But 
I am well aware. I think Paul meant it when he said I'm the chief of sinners. That wasn't just a preaching technique. I think a lot of guys say that, but then they don't live like they are. Okay. And they, and they just, they act like, Hey, I I don't need admonishment, encouragement. I don't need guys close enough to me, uh, that they will continue to be iron in my life that sharpens it to lovingly rebuke me. And so, you know, I, I, Paul was constantly asking people to help him. And he, he, hopefully he said the things you've learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things. And so I think part of what that practice was, was, Hey, guys, admonish me. Um, he modeled it with Peter. Uh, I can't think just right now at the top of my head, you know, where Paul was kind of on the short end of that, but I got to believe he was. So I, I have a real healthy sense of my depravity, and I know that um, my leadership is going to maybe sometimes my gifts are going to make people want to put up with stuff so they get the benefit of my gifts, but my gifts aren't going to be around for long if I don't have people helping me walk humbly with the Lord and and uh, do, you know, love kindness and practice justice. If they're not telling me, hey, that didn't look just, right? Because as your leader, you get away with things others don't. Now, I need guys to go, no, Todd, you're committed not to leadership and taking advantage of it, but to justice. And, you know, I, I, most people, I mean, I, I, where they get in trouble is most people use power to maintain power, right? And when I've got the power to give you a job and the, uh, give you promotions, uh, I, I, I'll basically say, now you, you power down and don't confront me anymore because I've kind of arrived at a place where I don't need it. But the reason that believers use power right, is to, is to serve others. And gosh, I can't think of a better way to serve others. I'm going to model for you that we're never done being conformed to the image of Christ. So just pastors, pastors, listen to me. I can't beg you enough to not just talk about uh, the fact that you're chief of sinners, but to model what sinners need, which is the love of the brethren in their life. Amen. All right. Well, as we wind this down, John, Todd, any closing thoughts? Uh, only this, I'll tell one story real quick. You know, uh, JP here is going to be on, I think, our next podcast. So look forward to that. Um, you know, he went around, he interviewed a lot of guys in, in, who were senior leaders. And, and he said oh, to a man, they told him, hey, JP, you're gifted. You need to find some guys that are outside your community that you can be real with. He said to a man, he heard that. And uh, he goes, that, Todd, that was odd because I've never heard you say that. And I said, that's because I don't believe it's what men should do. If you got to go outside your church to be the church, you probably need to shut your church down. And so um, <laughs> leaders are called, okay, to model what it means to walk with Jesus with others. And one of the problems that so many guys get into is they get this crazy idea out there that if I'm really a good leader, I don't need what Jesus says people need. Okay, folks. I, I, you know, you are told to love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And I think if your conscience is honest, you know there's still some areas in your life that aren't all the way conformed to Jesus yet. So why wouldn't you let other folks in? That's right. Well, good. Well, guys, this has been a great first conversation. Todd, thank you so much for oh, your man. time and joining us today. We look forward to some thank of these future podcasts. Thank you for being part of those guys that love me enough to, to sharpen me because this iron needs to be sculpted. Yeah, I love you guys. Great. Well, if you're out there and you enjoyed this conversation, it was helpful to you. We would love it if you would like this podcast on iTunes, leave a comment. If you have any questions or other things that you would like for us to talk about in future podcasts, you can send us an email at CLP, stands for Church Leaders Podcast, CLP at watermark.org. And so until next time, John, it's been fun. 
Thanks, Adam. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Cue the great, great music right here. That's right. right. Let's start it started. <laughs> See y'all. Take care.